keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis, and we've got uh, an esteemed panel of gentlemen and scholars here today. I am joined by Scott Chaplin and Dan St. Germain. Scott, let's first hear that crystal clear audio. How are you doing, man? Ooh, testing. One, two, three. Yep, crystal clear. Sound great. Dan, how are you? Hey, oh, part-timer Dan St. Germain back for uh, for watching a little Crown Jewel, a little preview in Crown Jewel, which I will be watching with Bruce Pritchard this Saturday night. Shout out, Bruce, in the Saturday during the day. Yes. Uh, uh, those I, will not, I will be in Stanford. I'm going to be in Stanford at New York Comedy Club. I was setting you up. Thank you. I was going to set it up Stanford. and say, yes, those of you in the tri-state area, uh, if, you, if you are anywhere near Stanford, Connecticut, and uh, Vince has not banned you from uh, a 500-mile radius of there. Come see Dan St. Germain do some comedy. at. It's called the New York Comedy Club, but it's Stanford. in Stanford. I'm not <laughs> sure how the craziness goes, but it's I'm on the two shows. I'm on 7 and 9 this Saturday night. And then next week, I'm going to be opening for Dan Soder for his special at Helium and Cobb. So a lot of chances to see me live. Come, come on by. Yes, Stan Soder needs that needs that plug. I mean, he was on WTF this week. You're here. We'll see who's going to move the needle more. I'm pretty sure it's the Forbidden Dorks. Uh, but we've got big show for you guys today. We're going to be talking Dynamite or Dud. We're going to be previewing the uh, Saudi Crown Jewel show, which as of this recording is still happening. Uh, Saudi Arabia is still a thing. So we'll see. Uh, but we'll we'll kick it into uh, <clears throat> into high gear. Uh, quick housekeeping for the Patreon this past week. If you missed it, uh, Scott, Dan, and I sat down and talked SmackDown and Collision. So we talked about the L.A. Knight contract signing. And uh, you guys all know how much we love L.A. Knight. He's our favorite. He's the best. Uh, and then we talked the Collision main event, Kenny Omega, MJF match, as well as all the other stuff that was on that show, which we loved as much as we all love L.A. Knight. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off talking the show that Dan is going to be enjoying with Mr. Pritchard, which is WWE Crown Jewel 2023. How far this show has come from a weird cash grab featuring retired and or dead wrestlers like Andre the Giant to this now is a legitimate show, part of storytelling. Dan, how do you feel about this shift? I mean, you know, the last Crown Jewel was really good. The Logan Paul one was really good. It's, you know, they they said this. Uh, um, we, we talked about this on the on, on uh, you know uh, a plug for for your guys Patreon here, but I, I was I was a guest on the Patreon this past week, and we talked about you know how you know 
I believe we talked about how Vince said, you know, Saudi Arabia is our home now. And, or maybe I'm thinking of another podcast. I'm not sure, but <laughs> uh, it, it is kind of true. Like Saudi, it's like when, when he's like, well, this is our big, you know, like Saudi is now becoming, you know, one of the, like it's starting to feel it, it you know, it look, it doesn't feel like MSG. It doesn't feel like Nassau Coliseum. It doesn't feel like, you know, the Rosalind, ballroom or something but it it, it does feel it's certain like like you know like okay I'll, I'll say this like if i was playing wwe 2k right like one of the matches if i was just fucking around my friend i would i would just put in crown jewel in the back just to see how that looked so like it or not it's becoming part of wwe or you know like like it's not it's it's not um it wouldn't be crazy if 20 years from now they weren't doing saudi shows anymore but they had a crown jewel throwback show, you know, like that wouldn't be surprising to me. In in whatever the Middle East is in twenty years, when it's I mean, run that's, by that's like the Italians, I, I, I'm I'm really nervous for him. This is yeah, that's the other thing. Like Scott, are you are you at all worried this thing is gonna be marred by what's going on in the Middle East? Do you think these guys are worried about their safety? Uh... No, um, the 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 more you yeah. look at a map, the more you realize the Middle East is gigantic, and though so. Uh, close it is not nearly close to um to any type of real conflict no they're gonna have a a, 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 a great show can i offer a differing opinion by all means i i understand what scott's saying it's not it's not physically close to you know it's not like they're going to be next door to what's going on in gaza right now or israel but you know the his the house of saud the the saudi royal family um for is 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 kind of you got to think of it kind of like the u.s house you know in the sense that there are some people who really want the city to be modernized and they really love stuff like crown jewel and then there are extremists that are way more sympathetic to islamic causes and even though the state of saudi arabia um benefits from israel um the actual saudi people themselves have a much more complicated view of the situation, not to mention, you know, we just saw Yemen yesterday declare war on Israel. Like we're seeing kind of the beginning, uh, we're, we're seeing countries make their alliance right now. And the thing about the thing about it, once it becomes Muslims versus Jews, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to say, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm speaking broadly. I'm not going to say my opinion on any of this stuff, but like, once you start speaking broadly, Muslims versus Jews, you know, and Netanyahu has certainly used that language the past two weeks. Uh, Hamas always uses that fucking language, you know, like, like once you, once you, you're, you're creating, like, it becomes bigger than just re regional conflict. So like, if I'm, if I'm Islamic Jihad, or if I'm Hezbollah, or if I'm Hamas, you know, taking oh, out yeah, Hamas is going to show up in Saudi Arabia, no, not, Hamas, not Hamas. I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't say Hamas. Uh, you're right. No, Hamas will not. Uh, they do not have the capabilities. But if I'm if I'm another if I'm another extremist group within Saudi, you know, like an ISIL, like a version of that, like that's a, it's a pretty nice target, you know, it's been a target. Well, but, I mean, it's been it, a big it, target. It sounds, for a that while. sounds so bogus. That's like, well, there's you, just you there hasn't bogus, been an attack. The seventh mm -hmm. was an isolated thing for a specific reason that wasn't that wasn't Muslim versus Jew. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it wasn't. 
And so the idea that Saudi's going to be attacked is like saying Texas could be attacked. It's just, it's well, just not I, happening. I, I hope you're right, man. Like, it, there's no part of me that wants, you know, like, I, I, I think there are plenty of people on the right wing side of U.S. foreign policy and Israeli foreign policy that really want a war. And I don't want that to happen, you know? Um, well, wait, but and Joe Biden, right? I mean, he's and everybody, uh, well, you, know, right I mean, it, it, you know, it depends on how I mean, like, this becomes a bigger question, right? It depends on how you look at Biden, right? Like, it's like, it, he's in he's in, in a lot of ways in a, in, a, in a completely fucking impossible situation. Um, you know, like, and, and I'm not I'm not justifying, like US foreign policy when I say that. But he is kind of like, in a in a completely unwinnable situation, you know. I think the challenge um, yeah, right now, Scott. I think, um, yeah, but the challenge. I think, I think the here, use of Claire. force in the last few weeks has given him permission to demand um, a ceasefire. He he can demand all he wants. The challenge right now is the the conflict well, he that... did off screen too. I mean, well. he did. I'm sorry, not to turn this into a politics podcast. I'm sorry to interrupt, Robert. They just did record him saying. They want a pause thing. They're kind of like rolling out him and Blinken. They're rolling out the word ceasefire without saying ceasefire. Yeah, right? they're saying they want to get American um, people out of there. Yeah, it's, it's weak it's, when when people are being bombed this way, and he can do something. Yeah, but anyway. yeah. I mean, yes, of course he can. I mean, that's the whole thing with U.S. foreign policy. Of course they can. Um, so it's just a question of, but but you know, like it's not like there's a ton of good options either. Do you know what I mean? Like. Like it's you're right. He can. What do you do? Well, I'm gonna try uh, this point for the tenth fucking time because I'm like, you know, it's like it's like sorry, Dan's sorry. hosting again. I yeah, can't the get one Jew- Sorry, the one right. Jewish guy. It's not on even the one Jewish guy. It's the fact that the catalyst for the initial Hamas action against Israel, in part, was Israel trying to normalize relations with Saudi Arabia, which goes back to Dan's point of the internal conflict of Saudi Arabia with the wanting to make inroads in Israel, make inroads with the West, have events like the Tyson Fury fight, have events like Crown Jewel. And then on the other side, there are the people who want absolutely nothing to do with that. And there was, for one way or another, an effectiveness of what occurred in Israel of forcing a bunch of countries to take sides. And I think that in some minds there, not all, there's there's in the extremist side in Saudi Arabia, there are people that just associate U.S. and Israel together, and this event being a big glistening symbol of, look at us, we're working with the West, it's it's myopic to think that this isn't a potential situation for a target. I'm sure it is the most secure site possible because Saudi Arabia does not want a black eye, but this has to be in the back of the mind of WWE, knowing that you are going into this region of the world where there is conflict. And I was there when we did tribute to the troops and they went to Afghanistan and they went to Iraq and they took a lot of precautions. Those shows were as hermetically sealed as possible. This is not that kind of event. You're going to have a massive packed stadium full of people. We're all hoping there's no issue whatsoever, but there is a small degree of risk going into this show. That being said, (laughs) Let's talk the predictions for this super fun and not at all politically charged event happening in. Honestly, that was one of the more, you know, I mean, we just had a nice conversation about it. You know what I mean? It it was a civilized conversation. It was great. No, I mean, like as far as like like people were able to give their, I, I, I do think that that's something that we need to 
not lose sight of in this country. We need to be able to express our opinions and and have an actual conversation about it without worrying about someone either being, you know, canceled, canceled on either side. You know, I think that that's, I think it's important. We still keep talking, you know, we need to save the tribalism for WWE and AEW where it really belongs. Um, All right. So, so crown jewel, uh, we're going to, we'll do a preview of the matches there. It's uh, EO sky versus Bianca Belair for the women's championship. Scott, who you got in this one? EO baby. EO all the way. I, I think she is um the best female wrestler WWE has right now. Bold statement. Dan, what do what do you think? I mean, what is EO, Bianca, and who's the third? Sorry. It's EO and Bianca. It's a one-on-one. Um I think it's probably gonna be EO. It just doesn't seem like the transformation has happened enough yet for Bianca to put it back on her. So I'm gonna go with EO. Agree with uh, that. Heel, right? She's turning heel. Bianca's I mean, gonna wind up turning heel for a while, right? Yeah. I think Bianca's gonna probably turn heel. I think the challenge that they're running into now, though, is they turn Montez suck his heels. They suck his heels. Well, it's not even that. They turn Montez heel. They're turning Bianca heel, and then their Hulu reality show is coming out in like a couple weeks. So just, it's just so hard. Like I love Montez. I think he's a huge star and everything else, but like. He doesn't like it's like Jack Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Say what you want about him, but when he became a heel, he started wrestling like a heel. And like Montez is still kind of like trying to do the cool guy spots. He's like try, he's trying to do what Blackpool does, you know. And it's I don't think it works. I agree, uh, but yeah, no, I think EO is going to retain. I think at the very least, you got Survivor Series coming up. You can do a triple threat with with Charlotte. Uh, it's not time to take the title off EO yet, especially because you basically need Bailey to turn on EO to make EO the baby face that we all know that she is uh, John Cena versus solo Sokoa. The story here that Cena has not won a singles match in over a thousand days and feels if he can't win, then maybe he should hang it up. Dan. I mean, it's a simple story, you know, it's setting up. I, I mean, I think you have to have Cena lose and then this sets up whatever Cena's next matches. Cause you know, there's no harm in Cena losing to Solo Sokoa. It just helps Solo, and it it actually helps the Cena storyline because he's not putting his career on the line yet, right? I, he kind of, I mean, he is but and he, he isn't. It was a little bit of like, can I still cut it? Yeah, but that's not the same thing as putting my career on the line. And if anything, that would help. That would help the story more. So I, I got Solo for this. Scott? Yeah, I guess it's how, how long is John staying after this? Because I would love to see him at Survivor Series. But yeah. well, that's that's Fran Drescher's decision right now. Um, <laughs> I know that they're supposedly at the finish line actually, of the stack. Actually, they're, we're waiting. Uh, they're waiting. The AT, by the time this is recording, the the AT the the SAG after is waiting on the producers. That's that's what I saw. Was the last that we're yeah we're, we're doing this Thursday earlier in the afternoon. So by the time you get this, the strike may be over, and Cena is going to be like, "Fuck this! I can make way more money elsewhere." Dude, he should, be, he should be announced for the War Games match and then announce that he has to leave because the strike ended and they need someone else. Like mid-cage match, he should have to be let out of the his cage <laughs> to leave. He's like, uh, bro, I'm making Barbie too. Fuck this shit. Exactly. Um, but no, I, I say Solo wins if Cena's going away for a while, but I do think the idea of like giving Solo the rub, I don't think that exists. I just think it's... 
it's a situation where maybe Solo's got to cheat to win. But this isn't a passing of the torch match, and I think that's why you almost do go with Cena. I think this is one where John can get the win, whether it's he catches a fluke roll-up or whatever it is, and then after the match, Solo still does the thumb spike to, to Cena. And I like a little bit of the idea that Solo fails adding pressure to Roman as to, you know, is he distracted? What's going to happen? Is he going to not be able to be focused on LA Knight? Pile on making it seem like LA Knight might actually win. You do need, I mean, if you can get Cena for Royal Rumble, then Cena and Roman as the rematch at Rumble is a really good, I mean, that's a good main event. That's appealing too. Um, Cody Rhodes, Damian Priest, this one is kind of, they're adding it on to give it some star power and to remind you that Priest will be there with the briefcase. I don't think the match itself necessarily does either guy any huge favors. And they tend to have a policy of when you have the money in the bank briefcase, they keep beating you. So I, I think Cody's going to probably win this here. Dan, what do you think? I think if the rocks winning the rumble, Cody wins. And I think if Cody's winning the rumble, then Damien wins. Cause you're going to need to set up opponents for Damien. I mean, for Cody eventually. Scott. Yeah, this is tough. I, uh, Obviously, you go, okay, well, how do you get Cody back into finishing the story? That's all I can think of. And You, you build go, a well, time Cody machine. To... <laughs> the, the reason I would say Cody beats uh, Damian Priest is because if Damian was a member of the Bloodline, I would go, yeah, Cody's got him. But I think Cody needs to be able to drop um... – God, I forgot even what, what Priest group is called. What's Finn Balor's Judgment group Judgment Day. Yeah. yeah, Cody cannot be losing a singles match to to a Judgment uh, Day member. I mean, if he's winning the Rumble, though, it's like, you know, that whole, you know, like when Austin jobbed to Hunter before beating Rocket Mania. Like, you set it up for later on sort of thing. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. I can see. I feel like this is more of a test run for Priest than anything else to see if they put the title on him. Can he get a good match out of someone that generally gets pretty good matches out of people? Um, next up is Rey Mysterio, Logan Paul for the U.S. title. This is one of your your big spectacle matches. Scott? Oh, it's Logan Paul, clearly. Uh, and I'm excited for it. I love Rey Mysterio. If anyone's Logan always has great matches and Mysterio's a vet and he's light. And so I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Logan yeah. wins. Oh, yeah. How yeah. I, think he win? I guess that's my question. How do you guys think he wins? Cause I really, I, I really don't know. Obviously Dom is not involved at all anymore. I don't know. Why do, why do you say that? They, they were together on raw. Yeah. They've oh been, yeah. Like yeah. They were ago, together yeah. on raw. Like he's been oh, getting yeah, Dom and Logan came out and got booed. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's getting counsel from um, Dom. So, I mean, if you want to set up, you know, like, I mean, I I think you can do the rematch at Mania, right? Like Dom and Dom Ray. Ray. Yeah. You know, like you could. That, that's definitely a main. That's a Mania rematch. Like in my mind, it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to see Charlotte and Rhea, but I would want to see, you know, in some sort of like either some gimmick match or a steel cage match or something. So I think you could do that. Yeah, there's no benefit to keeping the title on Ray, you know, he's a transitional champion. I mean, he's bigger than the title at this point. I mean, he's had a fucking 2k named after him and you get so much benefit from having that title. That title is now going to be on every impulsive from November to WrestleMania. 
So it's like they're getting a little WrestleMania at, and I mean, they could even do something like redesign the title. So it says like WrestleMania Philly on it, you know, and, uh, you know, but they don't even need that right now because the fucking event sold out. So, I mean, they're, they're doing, they're doing real well. <laughs> they're, they're doing well. I think, uh, the whole reason I wanted Logan Paul to win the money in the bank briefcase was for that exact reason, have it front and center on his yeah. podcast and him wearing the U S he's a guy who as a fan cares about winning a title. And it instantly makes the U.S. title that much more interesting. They also teased on SmackDown Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, which is a fun match they could do for Survivor Series or I don't know what the hell the December pay-per-view is or save it for the Rumble. You can you can do some big marquee stuff with him. Ray with the title isn't needed. He's a he's a guy that Logan Paul can beat. And yeah, you can get a rematch out of him. And I still like Scott's idea eventually getting to a Logan Paul LA night match. Um, well, it was my idea, but Oh, I, I keep thinking I keep I did this twice now. I keep forgetting too, Dan's here. I just assume I'm like hallucinating that Dan's no, part I, of the I show. I retired from the show, even though I still do it uh, about three times a month. Um Naganu well Naganu and uh what's it called? Um uh Titus? Titus, thank you. They had Tyson, a, like Tyson, 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 sorry. Thank you. They had a much closer match than any everybody like thought they were gonna have. Yeah. So I do think that that adds, like that adds the intrigue to like having, you know, a Logan Paul there. It adds the intrigue to like maybe getting somebody from UFC involved in this WrestleMania. Like the crossover is, it's not totally dead. Like it was dying. Like obviously the peak was when Tyson came back for a fight, and it, but it's it's not dead yet. So I think. I think like just keeping it in that TKO fighting world, like keeping that title around there is, is going to be beneficial for everybody. And uh, I like Scott's, uh, I think it was Scott's point about, or Dan, whoever was said it was changing, modifying and changing the title. I think Logan Paul turning it into like the prime United States championship would be a hell of a lot of fun. And then you've got people that are fighting to restore the, the honor of the, Wait, what's what is prime U.S. title? John Cena Spinner U.S. belt? No, he's got his get like his fucking prime bottle logo. Oh, I thought you meant prime like peak U.S. No, title. No, no, no. Like having him having him turn it into a branded thing. Um, oh, I think be that'd be kind of fun. Uh, Roman Reigns, L.A. Knight for the WWE Universal Championship. Look, as the lone. LA Knight fan here as the guy who has believed in him since day one I can confidently wait say wait a second wait I can when confidently say uh there is a zero percent chance LA Knight's winning the title here uh this is a sink or swim situation where I have a feeling he is going to at best flounder people seem to think it's like personal with us and, and LA Knight he seems like an extremely nice guy he's a guy that we all want to You're succeed not personal I, I will for sure have a fake conversation with him if I see him backstage. Is, uh, same. No, I, he, I, I actually. He's like a nice I, guy. I, I, I'll, I'll, this is my official opinion on LA Knight. I think it's awesome that a guy who's been kicking around forever, who's forty years old, is making you know like is is making a shot. You know that's what we hope as a comedian. That's what we and Scott hope as a comedian that 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 happens for us. You know, um, but I I just. You know, in ring, I just don't get it. And and gimmick wise, I just it feels a little, you know, it feels a little tired to me. It just feels like we've seen it before. Um, but I, do I think that like, look, I mean, he's getting like he's getting a huge push, dude. It's like they're doing what they should be doing with him. So 
anyone who's annoyed at us, it's like we're just we're just having an opinion. Like clearly the company like sees something there. And I I see I'm fine with the company, but you have to. Like when somebody's this hot, you have to push him. Do I think that he's the long-term solution to the company? no but you know who knows maybe he could be the next ultimate warrior you know like you can't take dan you can't take a dude who's like old and make him the central focus of your tv this isn't aew scott what do you think of uh who's gonna win this match (laughs) oh gosh um hey scott can you give your opinion on la night too so i'm not the only one like i feel well no because i know i i know someone on on the facebook group was like hey is it just me or is the LA Knight hate a little too strong? By the way, real fun little side note on the Facebook group, which is a great Facebook group. We love everybody that's a part of it. Occasionally, people will post anonymously, not realizing that we can see who the anonymous posters are, uh, which makes we, it we kind can? of fun. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I didn't that? know. That. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just find that kind of funny. And they're never like super hot takes either. It's not like something totally blasphemous they had to hide, but awesome. we're all good. We, we love everyone. Bring your opinions. Tell us how much you love LA Knight on the Facebook group. Uh, we we welcome it from just about everybody. Scott, what's your opinion of LA Knight? Well, I just think he's so undeniably over that to, you know, to it when you criticize something that's so over, it feels like you're 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 trying to pull back something that is you're trying to pull back a rocket. It's like, what are you doing, dude? You look like an idiot, and you're burning your hands. This thing is on fire. Right, right, right. But. As wrestling fans, I think we can all sit there and go, it's corny. It's a bit corny. And and none of it is is stellar. But there's something, and I can't deny it. So I can't sit here and knock him at all, and I'm not going to. And I loved him. I mean, I loved him in NWA. When they had that NWA show that felt like it was from the early 80s, he was a highlight of it for me. So I know he is capable, and I know he is talented. And I think he's playing – his role well, it's just like not a movie I would rent. Like the LA Night movie is not something I'm fucking renting. Right, right. You know, I have no leg to stand on to some of that because I still loved like Sid and Diesel. Neither one of them set the world on fire, but they were sure as hell fun to watch when I was a kid. So I totally understand it. Uh, next up, a, Wait, a no, met- can we stand LA Night for a second? It's, it is oh, the yeah. it- it's the most it's it's the most controversial issue in wrestling right now. Uh, that this is also why I love about wrestling is that like in the world there's all these really heavy shit that we have to talk about and all these issues. But with wrestling, it's like should LA Knight be on top? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it, there is always something about that that I think it's kind of funny. Um, but um, I I I I liked Max Dupree. Like I yeah. I, I think he's like. I think he's a good sports entertainer, you know, like I just don't like the LA Knight character. Like I think he's, and I also, I'm not, I'm not even saying that like, you know, like I think me and me and Scott, like both, we both kind of had this opinion where, you know, when Cena first came, you know, he was great as the thugonomics guy, but then when he was just like, you know, baby face John at the beginning of his run, we were all kind of like, ugh, the promos are good, but, I don't know. The he's not really that good in the ring, and it just it feels like it feels artificial and forced. It doesn't feel like our guy. And now, you know, they 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 do the Cena sucks things just out of tribute to him. Like he's become something way bigger than we ever thought he was going to become. So I'm not saying that it's like it's it's very possible that LA Knight, you know, becomes something that we didn't see. But right now, I just 
don't see it. That's what I'm trying to say. Dan can't see him. Uh, so LA Knight is now officially John Cena. There's a uh, a fatal five-way match for the women's world title. It's Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler versus Zoe Stark versus Raquel Rodriguez versus a fifth participant um, who I can't stand. So we'll go with these four. These four women. I can't stand Nia. Um, I just think the 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 fact that she's back, given how reckless she was in the past versus what she contributes to the show, is baffling. So I get that there's other reasons why Nia Jax is there. That's fine. I would not run the risk of her injuring people. Uh, that being said, Rhea Ripley, if you watch Raw, is far and away the biggest star across the board that they have. They've put her front and center of Judgment Day. She's opening Raw. Her promo skills are great. Her in-ring stuff is solid. I see no reason to take the title off of her. I think this is them just trying to stack the deck. Dan, what do you think? I mean, you know, the one that, I, you know, I don't have much hope for this match because Nia Jax is in it, and, you know, I hate to be the wet blanket on that. But the one benefit I've seen from this program is that this is, like, the first... This is, like, the first time we've seen Rhea act as, like, a champion, you know? And I think she's done a very good job with it. And, you know, I get the fact that she is kind of nervous. Now, whether or not that's the story you should tell when you have a dominant Rhea, but, like, the fact that they're so... I kind of like the story because, you know, it's like when Brock had the title and there's like four people going for him. It's like, okay, if you can't, you know, what do you do if you can't beat one monster? You get four monsters to go against them. So I, I do like the story. I think the match will be what it is. Um, I'm going to be, I mean, clearly they're just trying to separate Becca and Rhea because that's that's the money match, you know, at Mania. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Rhea's, Rhea's a revelation, man. So... Uh, I, I wanted to compliment Rhea. She's going to win. And I don't, uh, I don't think the match is going to be remarkable. Scott. Yeah. I can't knock this match considering when they first announced working with Saudi, it was, Oh, women aren't going to be going over there. Um, mm -hmm. And, and the constant drudge that was getting women there, what that's going to look like. And they've done a good job with it. And having a five-way and another – I mean, this is two women's match on a card that you're right. I think in a way it's to protect Rhea, but it's also to get a bunch of women on a show in Saudi. Is this the most women that have ever been on a Saudi show? It's a, it's a lot yes. of women on the show, which is which is yeah. great. Uh, and yeah, it's also and so great because – you... I just go, good for that. Obviously, Rhea's got to win, and we'll talk about it later. But anytime you, you add a, a giant into a match, I go, oh, at the very least – people can use that giant as a base to do fun, cool, innovative moves off of. Yeah. Well, we're definitely seeing that spot where they all throw her through the table. Oh yeah. And someone will like stand on top of her and jump off of her and do a splash off of her. Yeah. Real probably pick her up and she'll probably make someone's nosebleed. And she'll probably yell my hole at some point. That's too. very possible. <laughs> but I mean, even further to that point, like it's cool that Shayna Baszler's in this match. Who's openly LGBTQ. Uh, member of that community. I know she hasn't classified specifically, but she said like as of like May, she was dating a woman. It's just great that they're able to be a part yeah, of this she's show. Not, she's not like corny about it. She's gay, but she's not gay about it. You know, and I'm just <laughs> kind of like kind of like uh, Seth Rollins' entrance, which brings us to the next match. 
Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. Um, so I'll, I'm going to touch on this match a little bit later on in the show as a tease. But as far as the match itself, uh, Dan, who do you got, Rollins or, or Drew? Um, this is a pick em for me. You know, like you could you could take the title off Seth now. It'd be fine. But the ultimate, I mean, I think it's just what uh, I trust where they're going right now, which is, I can't say that I've said that about them all the time. So it's like, where do you want to go for mania? Um, and I have a feeling they're going to probably keep it on Seth because I don't know if they want the title on Drew for mania, but it depends on what they have scheduled for Seth. It depends on what they have scheduled for the title, what they have scheduled for Drew. Either way, I think this is going to be match of the night in ring. And, um, I'm, it's probably the match I'm looking at. They, they, they had one match right after Drew was champion during the pandemic area, yeah. era. And it was like, for a pandemic match, it was really good. So I imagine with people, this is going to be way better than that. Scott? Yeah, this is the match I'm most looking forward to in terms of in-ring. This and Logan Paul, actually, the Logan Paul-Ray Mysterio match. Oh, I think that match going to be a blast, yeah. Yeah, just because I know I'm going to see highlights of it for a few days and it's going to be undeniably breathtaking, whatever they do. Yeah, it'll be a fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, you know? and, and and Seth is the same way where no matter what match you have, and you have a great opponent in Drew, and you have the fun storyline of Drew really becoming um, a piece of shit, which he should be, especially he is a giant. And um, he looks like a giant version of Seth, kind of. He's very good at playing this role. Yeah, you know, like I, I, I think that you know this loss. I think Seth wins, and this loss is what makes Drew really snap. And then we could actually get like the Drew run that I know Dan has been kind of hoping for for since the pandemic. Really, I mean, right? this for me. I don't know about you, Scott. Maybe it's just because I'm a big Drew Mark, but like this for me, the last time this was done as well was Brett when he was heel. You know, as far as. Like, yeah, I mean, I I mentioned to Robert in the, in the last few weeks that WWE has done a really good job of their backstage segments make me excited about storyline progress. Yeah. yeah, even when it's not necessarily about the person, and I feel like Drew in every backstage segment he's in just knocks it out of the park in a way that like, oh, I'm invested. You're not um, you're not making me feel stupid for watching a wrestling segment. And, and so yeah, I can't knock it. But yeah, Seth also has to fucking win because the title don't feel like the title yet, and it probably never will. So I don't know if I'm ever going to say Seth should lose it because who beats him for a title that really doesn't mean much? I mean, you know, I don't know. I I really don't know. I mean, I know that the All-Atlantic title did end up meaning more, you know? Like, I know people would disagree with me on that, but the long long reign of Orange did help it. Um, So I think that a long reign always helps a title. But yeah. I also, you know, what I like about WWE now is, and, and AEW was doing this for a little bit, and they seem to have stopped. Um, but it's exactly what you said, Scott. It's that, like, you know, everybody, all the characters that are backstage right now, it's like they're all, like, the heels are all heels, but they're in a different way. Like, Jimmy Uso is a heel, but he's like a Joe Pesci, like, mafia-type funny heel. And, like... And they're letting him be that. And Drew is like the bitter Bret Hart heel. And they're letting Drew be that, you know, um, instead of it, just everybody, you know, like instead of the tired thing of like, I'm doing this because I hate the fans, you know, or something like that. Like, and, that, and that's a testament to, 
you know, Hunter and, and what's going on over there. But I, I swear I'll be, I have to shit on something. I mean, I don't we'll, know. We'll give you something to shit on. But I think what's, what's interesting about the intrigue of this match is, yeah, you could have just told the straight up story, but they've navigated it in such a way where, as Scott said, like in what was going on in the background is you saw Rhea and Drew talking. And then they brought that up and it's like Rhea's trying to offer both Drew and Seth protection. And she's playing with Drew's sense of Bret Hart entitlement of we can help you, you know, let us scratch your back. And then priest questioning, Hey Rhea, you what put, did... you put Drew with the judgment day? If no, I, so what I saw someone, I, I had an, a similar idea and then I saw somebody posted online. So I was like, I will give the credit to Ryan Satin. Um, but it was kind of where I thought they were going with this, which <laughs> is, uh, judgment day helps drew win the title and then immediately priest cashes in and beats drew for it and this was all planned by judgment day and then drew is and then damien's leaving crown jewel as wwe champion or world heavyweight champion you now got cody chasing after him you got seth chasing after him you got drew chasing after him i think that's a pretty compelling story if they choose to go that far with it the pieces are there and have been set up for that to potentially happen and drew's been doing better but i don't you know who knows but Maybe. drew hasn't apparently drew has not, not signed true. A, i'm sorry damien damien's been doing better but you know still seeing him with that title i don't know if he's ready yet yeah but remember you've still got the next pay-per-view is survivor series so you've got a war games essentially you don't need to have a damien priest world title match you can kick the can down the road to December or well, January. Yeah, but you also don't have Roman on that show, I don't think. So. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, it's Survivor Series. I think it'll be fine. I think the show the show's already sold out. And it's in Chicago, where people I, seem to be under the impression. I also want to say, too, like, for, our, for this podcast, it's tougher. You know, when AEW, and AEW was better than WWE for a couple of years. I'll yes. say that. Like, I, as far as storylines, pay-per-views, TV. I thought that they were doing a better job during the pandemic era. I think everyone on this podcast will agree with that. It's it's always hard when the number one is kicking the number two's ass because it's it's not great radio. You know what I mean? Like you're just like yes. it's it's just like yeah, the thing that is supposed to be happening is happening. It's not like I still love AEW, but like like right now WWE is is a better product than AEW. It's a hotter product. The stories are better. The matches aren't as good. Okay, I will say that. But the stories are better. And all in all, as a whole, I think it's a better product. So because of that, um, it's going to sound like we're anti-AEW. But we're not. It's just, that's just the reality of what, what where, where the two companies are right now. And and there's, I think there's, and I'm friends with a lot of guys in AEW. There's a lot of really talented guys over there. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, you know, I'm just, I'm just giving you the lay of the land fellas that's the crazy thing it's like I'm, I'm always the wwe guy on here even though i have a ton of friends in aew it's really just here's what's being presented on both sides and wwe for whatever reason is doing a lot of really good i think the thing that they're not and i talked about it on something to sports entertainment with again this week raw for the second week in a row was a very skippable show there was like one really good match out of a, a three-hour broadcast, and that makes for a bit of a slog to to sit through. But overall, they're they're telling the right stories. They're putting people in the right position. They made a segment with Gunther and the Miz as the Miz a baby face. Really it Which worked. Is, I was shocked. I was shocked so, they were able to make. But that's that's also a testament to the Gunther run. It's a testament yeah. to the Gunther run. It's a testament to just Miz is 
really good at playing a oh, certain Miz, type of role. Miz can do whatever, man. He's he's very he he's he's very versatile. Everything but wrestle. Just don't put him in the ring. <laughs> yeah, uh, that which by the way used to be the knock on Cody for a while. It was like, and then the bell rings, and Cody just put on these kind of lackluster matches. And I'm glad he's he's put it all together. But enough shitting on Cody's AEW. Better with a Roman and Brock. He's better with a WWE style. Yes, I think. But he had a great match with Sammy in AEW. We forget he had some really he had some bangers in AEW. Yes, but then there was also the Anthony Agogo stuff. Um, well, he can't be perfect. Well, enough shitting on AEW. It's time for Dynamite or Dud. <laughs> Hour one opens with MJF in the back. He has a video call with Adam Cole setting up that he's got to find tag partners for later on in the night. The kingdom show up for Roderick Strong to drive the screaming Adam's name into the ground. We, Whatever. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Claudio Castagnoli had a great back and forth match for the international title. Uh, Orange catching the pin there. After the match, John Moxley comes out. Orange goes to attack him and gets the shit beat out of him. Uh, MJF is in the back looking for partners, and they're setting up the story of he is reaping what he sowed. He tried to go to Kenny's locker room. Jericho answers the door and tells him to fuck off. Uh, he gets cornered by Wardlow, who basically says, I'm going to take everything from you, which is literally what Bullet Club is doing right now. So clearly Wardlow not paid to watch the product, and then the acclaimed begging for Max to join them. Um, John Moxley cuts a pretty fiery promo about how he's sick of people writing him off, and he's going to beat up Orange Cassidy at full gear. Uh, the Mogul Embassy win the Ring of Honor six-man tag titles from Hangman and the Bucks when Hangman gets distracted by Swerve chasing yeah, after him. Yeah. Uh, MJF. Uh, walks by Samoa Joe's door, doesn't take him up on his offer, and then walks by Darby's door and writes emo bitch on the sign. Cute little call back there. Adam Copeland comes out for a promo and uh, he's asked, is he going to team up with Sting and Darby? This brings out Christian. We then get a shitload of physicality with Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. And then Sting comes out uh, and Darby to even up the odds. And then Tony Khan has a major announcement. Guys, I hope you're sitting down. Uh, I, I hope your your heart can take it. But, oh, my God, are we doing the whole show right now? Or just this is hour one of this fucking yeah. show, Dan. Hour one. All in two, which we already knew was happening. The on sale date, guys, next month. So that's your huge announcement. The world has shifted. The one show they can actually sell tickets to, they're going to sell tickets to. Scott, what'd you think? Hour one of Dynamite. Ooh, there were some high spots. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it was fun. Uh, I loved the MJF backstage stuff. I, I can't complain about any of it. The backstage stuff. Um, I thought I thought the first match was great. I thought Cassidy versus Cesaro was a blast. I think Moxley versus Cassidy is a pay-per-view match. By the way, I like that I'm the WWE homer and you still call him Cesaro. Oh, dude, I still call all these guys, you know. Um, They're government but, names. Okay. Yeah. Dude, how are you going to call Adam Copeland Adam Copeland? I don't know, Jim yeah, Ross. No. How are you going to be able to do it? The uh the hangman match, I, I have a real problem with a man sneaking into a man's house to hover over his kid. And then <laughs> the next week the guy who he did that to, like, is just in a match. There's yep. no he should be um a maniac looking for a swerve. He shouldn't be like agreeing to a 
putting titles on the line. He should be doing what the Bucks did when they lost the, the titles. He should have been reacting at the moment he showed up. He should have showed up to the arena with a gun, honestly. <laughs> and I think we all would have been like, no, yeah, that makes sense. So, so, sorry, put in that. You, so you're you're not far off at all, because that was the notes I had. So the first match, Orange Cassidy and Claudio, like Claudio was all fired up because Orange and Okada broke Danielson's face. And it was the, I'm going to go kill you and take your title. And then they wound up just having a wrestling match. It was a very good wrestling match. It was just a wrestling match. Then you have this where it seemed like Hangman should have been a, a lunatic and he wasn't. And then after the match, bad camera blocking, uh, Matt Jackson's all pissed about losing the titles. He grabs a chair as the Mogul Embassy is just walking by and he starts smashing the chair against the pole instead of going after these guys that, you know, helped uh, his uh, get have his best friend's kid terrorized. Seemed a little odd. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and I'll also say this, which I liked and didn't like. So if you noticed Hangman, basically, it was like one on three when Hangman was in the match. The Bucks didn't do too much. Yeah. And Hangman was beating three guys on his own. And then when Hangman left, it was Nick Jackson versus three guys. I don't know where Matt ended up, but it was mostly Nick Jackson versus three guys, and he couldn't beat these three guys. And... While I get that's a that's a nice compliment to Hangman, you just had these guys who we don't know win the trio's title in a way that didn't even make them look like they could beat one guy, let alone three other guys. And I'm typically fine with that other than they were the former trio's champions, right? And And now they're the trio's champions again. And you have not done what I think you thought you – we're going to do, which is put eyes on the ring of honor trios titles. You haven't even had a pay-per-view where they defended it yet. And so how is that putting eyes on ring of honor? You're just jumbling a storyline. I understand you can say, Oh, now hangman is angry. Well, I guess what they're doing is they make, cause we can agree that what happens with the bucks after, and the fact that they're angry now, and it looks like they're about to become a prick heel tag team. That's good for the bucks. Yes. And so to facilitate that, it's a good move. But I do think it made everything – it made the titles look stupid. Well, it's the Ring of Honor tag titles. I think with my takeaway from this was literally the Bucks and Hangman have no desire to ever have to wrestle on Ring of Honor TV. And this was just a way yeah. to get the titles off of them. Sure. But but I am really happy with – now that that's over, the Bucks focusing on a, a heel run. Dan, what did you think of hour one? <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, you have more I, stuff, I Scott? Really I'll let you go. I agree with a lot of what Scott said. I, I thought it was a really great opening match. I thought the backstage stuff with um, MJF and Adam Cole was really good. I think the problem with the hour is that if I got the rating that I got on Saturday with Kenny Omega versus MJF, I would kind of be like, let's pull the trigger on some big angles, you know? And, you know, like revealing that devil mask could be a big angle. Like, I, I, I think that I think I don't have really anything, any problems with anything that happened in this first hour. But I think for like a company that, again, is like, you know, a definitive, a, a definite number two right now, it didn't do anything to help them. Like, it felt very it's like a lot of the stuff that they paid off. It's like you know, the trio stuff at the end, like we kind of knew that that was going to happen, you know, and, and it played out the way that we thought it was going to play out. And honestly, the way it should have played out probably, but 
they didn't do it in like a spectacular kind of I'll get to that in an hour too. Um I think I think my problem with Blackpool Combat Club is that like when they became heels, they were like almost immediately cool heels. And you know, he, like when when you have heels that really just want to be cool heels despite the fact that people you know like don't think they're that cool it just smacks of WCW NWO Wolfpack or something to me like it it it, it's just it's like not what you you think it's gonna be good for business but it's actually not really good for business shout out to Pat Buck I saw him okay I mean I'm no Robert's gonna I know Robert's gonna make this point but I'll make it for him you have edge for your first pay-per-view advertised yep and you're gonna put him in a trios match it's like i'm not asking like like even him versus darby would have been better even though that's just a retread of punk versus darby like nobody cares about i understand you like christian's like the hottest heel character you have but you can have but he's not hot as a wrestler so you can still have him do shit in the match and not have christian versus edge have like and i know they want to save that you can do edge versus somebody else like like I think Edge versus Luchasaurus would have been a bigger match than well, this. Well, they already so, did Adam Copeland Luchasaurus on I, free I TV. <laughs> but the thing I, I that's know. the most insane about that, Dan, is the one thing they had yet to give away. Like the one thing to make this six man tag worth it is we had not seen Edge and Christian physicality. They hadn't touched each other. And then on this show, you got Edge attacking Christian. So you've given away your big cathartic it, moment it, it doesn't really make much sense and I, I will say this though um mm-hmm. because there's the rumor of edge may be joining christian and that I was know what i thought was going to happen and yeah, then but no, until i saw the physicality on tv and i was like oh well i guess we gave that away sure yeah um and, and i would agree with that other than wrestling is kind of funny and you can hit a guy and then be his friend a week later and go yeah. we were teaming the whole time and so I think for that storyline purpose and just as a whole, when you're watching this match, now you get to see potential feuds Edge will be in in the future. And I, I don't think an Edge singles match is going to sell a pay-per-view. And well, so, I think it's a nice thing to add. You know, like, I don't think it's necessarily going to sell, but I think it's like a nice, you know. Yeah, it's it's that visual thing. You know, you go, oh, it's Edge teaming with Sting. It's Edge doing tag team moves with Darby. It's Edge facing off against Christian. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just a variety of moments you get to have in a match when then you uh, hopefully focus on an Edge singles run. I well, just didn't I'm think just, I was going to get like Edge you... Nick Wayne before I get Edge and Swerve. If, if, if the real thing here is to get Edge and Christian together, right, as to, like, a monster heel, like, a two-man kind of power trip, like, my thing about that is Edge has been there for a month and you're already turning him heel, like... Yeah, it shows, uh, it shows that the... It's almost an admittance of, um, oh, he didn't sell tickets like we thought or pop ratings like we thought. And yeah. honestly, if he turns heel, he's probably going to say things like that, right? He's gonna be like, you didn't come out for me, and you immediately said, "That's is that great heel heat." Like that's. I think it's ass. I would hate it. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes your company look like shit. And you know, like that's that's kind of. I just think they're making like, although the show itself was a good show, I think that the I'm nervous about the choices they're making. I think Scott would even agree with that. You know, like Jabba definitely agree with that. Hold on, Dan. They might they might save it an hour or two. 
Uh, Hour two. But wait, 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 wait. Oh, I just want to. Can we just talk about Tony and these announcements before we? By all means. Like, this was this somehow was more painful than like some of the ones I've seen. Like, and it wasn't like there wasn't even that anything that shocking in it. Uh, you know, like he didn't say anything that corny. But uh, I'm sorry. They, the they, whole you're probably putting your Christmas trees up. My mom's had hers that up was since fucking June. weird. That was can we so... talk about that? That was fucking, that so was what, the weirdest the, the thing I ever seen. family puts a Christmas tree up in July. What is going on? The his vibe in this entire thing was. Wouldn't the joke? Isn't the joke we take it down in July because it's it's up the whole time? Like, why would he make that joke? His his vibe is on SNL. Vanessa Bayer used to play a character. It was like a boy at his character. bar mitzvah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that was Tony's yeah. the entire time. Like, don't tell my mother I said that. Like, that was his entire thing. And you see him the way he's even the way he's holding the microphone, like you guys hold mics professionally when he's squeezing it like he's up at like a middle school, like giving a, a performance while oh Nigel's God. standing next to him. It's so awkward and uncomfortable for an announcement that wasn't that spectacular. Like, just stop letting him do announcements. I mean, it, it, it does. It looks like it looks like a hostage video. It does look <laughs> like a hostage video. And we're seeing hostage videos now. So we know what they look like. Yes. And they're you more know? charismatic and relaxed. Yeah, that's true. That is actually true. The hostage reviews that I've seen, the hostages look more relaxed than Tony does. Yes. Um, hour two, Angelo Parker and Matt Menard versus Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Uh, Don Callis cuts a promo after to announce a street fight, in which case Kenny is like, well, good news. I've got Kota Ibushi. And then I hate that I was right about this. Jericho reveals that his partner for this is going to be Paul White who just happened to be standing in gorilla oh my God. in his gear on the off chance they were going to call him out. Um, there's a segment in the back with Jericho, Kenny and the bucks where the bucks are pointing out how insane the booking is. They're like, so you didn't show up to help us in the beginning of the show. And now Jericho's in our locker room after he tried to like murder our dad. Uh, we've had a lot of bad stuff happen in this locker room. Cool. Uh, That's what you want for a tag team. You just, Signed a huge contract, too, that doesn't draw ratings. You wanted yeah. to shit on your book. Exactly. Uh, Willow Nightingale took on Sheeta in a 930 match. Afterwards, uh, Sheeta chases off Tony Storm. Julia Hart goes to uh, confront Willow. And then Sky Blue shows up, and now she spits Blue Mist, which I guess is Tony's kink of the week. Uh, MJF is in the back, and Jarrett and his group offer to be his partners. And when he realizes that that's his best option, he decides that he's going to align with the acclaimed. And then in the main event, we get Bullet Club Gold against the acclaimed and MJF, where MJF and the acclaimed lose. So I guess we're setting up Jay White as a a legitimate contender. He hits the switchblade. He pins MJF. And then afterwards, we still get the group scissoring to conclude Dynamite. Scott, what did you think of hour two? Man, I do not know if I was a fan of hour two. So I, I, I initially read about the big show announcement and how it's a street fight. Uh, four versus four, right? The Don Callis family. Versus Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Chris Jericho, and Paul White. And I thought it was announced for full gear. And brother, the things I said about Chris Jericho last night. I was so mad that they got (laughs) Chris Jericho in my Kenny Omega. Like I, if it was a restaurant, man, I would have left a Yelp review. I was fucking pissed. You're like, cilantro doesn't go on everything. Yeah. 
I was genuinely, I'm like, how could you introduce Paul White in this fashion, in this storyline for a pay-per-view? Then they announced that it's not. It's um, it's the show before the pay-per-view. It's the dynamite before the pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, I go, oh, we could have some fun moments there. And obviously what needs to happen is Will Hobbs, Will Hobbs needs to pick up Big Show and beat him. Yes. And then it's the Don Callis family standing tall. And, oh, my goodness, Kenny and Jericho – uh, they're just too good for you, which I'm fine with. It's just one, you didn't have to do it. Two, Big Show sucks and is incapable, and he's not this spectacle that you're pretending he is. Three, it looks like Jericho is just doing a favor for a friend who you signed, and none of us knew he could wrestle a singles match anyway, and we still lied about it and thought, oh, imagine Big Show versus Kenny. And then, so since we very quickly realized that will never happen, we at the very least get a justification for him being in a video game, which is, hey, look at him in the ring with all these opponents on a dynamite. Now you can get the sense of him having doing this in the context of AEW, so you can do it in the game. This feels like he is so irrelevant in the company that he only feels like a part of the video game. And so when you introduce him, he feels like a video game advertisement. He doesn't feel like he's a part of a fucking blood feud. And and, and it makes Chris, Chris Jericho look stupid. It doesn't make Chris look um, like, like a serious wrestler in a storyline. It looks like a guy who continues to try to help himself and him fr- and his friends uh, by, by putting himself in. Now, I'm not going to say the, the callous and Omega feud is hot. But in my eyes, it's hot. And in the context of AEW storyline writing it's the only thing you can even look at and say it's been going on longer than six months oh i don't know that that kenny promo on don was so bad dude don't say poopy and doo-doo please stop letting um, him talk it's uh, that that made me really mad too but i do think that the outcome of Hobbs slamming big show is worth it but i will also say this your main event is a similar situation that you're probably going to get in two weeks which is a group of four guys standing over another guy saying, we've destroyed your world. Yep. Now what are you going to do? And and the payoff for that is going – both of those payoffs are going to be at the same pay-per-view, which is we took everything from you, this group of us, Bullet Club Gold and MJF and the Don Callis family and Kenny Omega. It's It's bizarre. It's weird. It's like as if they don't talk to each other segment to segment. Oh, and you know I love Willow Nightingale. I want Willow Nightingale to become the AW Women's Champion. Yes. But you put her in a random Women's Champion match in an unjustifiable position when you are kind of bi- bi- building Willow. So now you've completely eliminated the idea of that being a, a thing or me wanting to see it or the opportunity of – like. She has literally been building towards, oh, wow, she could really deserve a, a title shot in the future. And then you just give her this. So now there's no storyline of her earning a title shot in the future because it happened already. And she lost a match on Friday to see who would fight Sheet on Saturday. So you lost a match just to prepare longer to fight her on Wednesday? Well, it's no Abaddon match. <laughs> and that's it. Other than that, you know... I, I do love Jay White. I, I, I see the criticisms of like, oh, he's not a top guy. I think he is a top guy. But I think when you have Omega versus MJF on Saturday and you have Samoa Joe breathing down MJF's neck and Wardlow breathing down MJF's neck, maybe the pay-per-view match shouldn't be like the least anticipated 
um, confrontation, you know, and, and I'm saying that as like a Jay White mark. I think he's he's everything the haters saying he isn't. I think he is. I think he's unbelievable on the mic. I think he's a great in-ring storyteller. I think he can do it all. But Wardlow has a hotter feud with him because there's a longer story, period. This I stole your belt isn't a hot feud. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Tony seems to have booked a better four-way match for Max than we got in the Four Pillars feud, and we're not getting the four-way. Yeah, well, you, yeah, you're not wrong. Dan, what'd you think, Howard, too? I mean, I co-sign on everything Scott just said. I mean, maybe I'm even, maybe I'm a little bit even nicer than Scott in the sense that, like, I will say this for this, I'll say this positive about the second hour, is that the main event in a vacuum was a very you know well booked match and Jay White going over was the right decision, um and you didn't you know you didn't have you you still we were still waiting on that moment for MJF to really really embrace Max Caster they didn't blow it but like you know for me it's it is it's just it's a story it, it's like like this is like the difference between two companies is just one little thing that they did like because you know like if it was WWE. They, it would have all been about MJF announcing Max Caster as his partner and getting that moment on screen, him saying it, and then the huge pop. Now, I understand why AEW didn't do that, because if you do that, then you lose a lot of the psychology of the match of whether or not they're together. Um, but for your audience, it's probably still, you know, it's just it's just presentation versus first match psychology it's deciding which and i think ultimately in that case you probably wanted to let the match psychology suffer a little bit even though the match was good um i do think that the focus on jay white would have been it would have been more so if you're setting him up to be a big contender and then you don't you, you know you kind of muddy the waters of the max caster moment because now it's like you know, it's a little bit unfocused as far as like where the storyline to go, to go for uh, the Kenny Big Show thing. I mean, this is the most, and it's not even close. Like this is the most AEW has ever felt like TNA, where yes. we are we are literally we are taking a a a a tag team in WWE Jarrah show that was over, but let's face it, they were like over like King Booker was over. You know what I mean? Like they were over in the sense that like, oh, this is doing well for the company, but like you can't bring it on the road. You can't bring this show on the road. So like if you do want that moment of powerhouse Hobbs and Big Show, why don't you just do, you know, Big Show and Jericho versus Hobbs and Sammy or Hobbs and and Takeshita? Why do you have to bring my Kenny Omega into this? Like exactly, dude. They really, it's like it, it, they fucked up the meal. They really fucked up. A, they fucked up the meal. You meal. don't need. What's the and then like I think do they think that we want to see Jericho versus Kenny too? We saw the best Jericho and Kenny matches we're ever going to see. Like, well, I'll even say this because I forgot to mention it and I was thinking it um, when when I saw you know the, which I didn't even mind the tag match on Dynamite. I thought it was like a coherent tag match with you know Jericho and Angelo Parker and stuff. Um, well, damn, I forgot what I was going to say that. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Jericho is, is making me angry. (laughs) (laughs) I I do love, I just realized that it's, it's the golden lovers, which, you know, the idea of this, this great tag team and then Jericho, this idea of a great, which is just not the case. It is very, no, it's not like you, and, and also Scott, to your point, 
It's like three, all of those guys in that match can't work the way they used to. Even Kenny, who's still great. So it's like, what is, what is this match even going to be? Well, then the other thing is that Don has to pick another person and you could say Sammy and that makes sense. But if he picks Osprey, you know, that might be the first time that I'm, I'm irritated. You're using Osprey. I mean, what's the incentive to sign him if you're flying him out just to have a fucking match with the big show? I, I don't, I, you know, and it's like, even the type of match you're going to get, you really, with the, with the match that you're going to get with big show, it's like the only match you really want as a singles match is him versus Hobbs because you want like, like big show to get his shit in, in the beginning and then Hobbs to kill him. Yeah. Like th- that match for them, that, that match, that's not that, that's not a Kenny Omega match, you know? Yeah. You know, another worry I have is is Big Show getting frustrated. A lot of these vets, um, they get mad when when the the work rate outperforms their ability, and I would yeah. hate to see him sitting there getting flustered, becoming a Jr. in the ring because you know he can't line up for a planned spot, and because really they shouldn't give him too many planned spots. He should just be there, standing there. A few guys should jump off of him. One guy should pick him up. No, I mean, like, I, I'm nervous. What is, like, I, you know, like, what is, is he going to work? I think he'll work with Hobbs, but it's, like, I know Big Show. I mean, Big Show's a dick, man. Is he going to work with Takeshita? He'll you know, work with like, Takeshita because they keep saying is basically the next Orton, and Big Show used to work with Orton pretty well. And the problem is, to Scott's point, if yeah, but Takeshita Orton's doesn't work exactly like Orton, he's going to get angry, and it's going to be yeah. cl- a clusterfuck. Orton, I don't think no, there's Orton, a great end. Orton is the safest fucking worker in the world. That's the problem, is that, like, so if he if he thinks this guy's taking any liberties, he's just going to do the Andre thing and just, like, crush all his weight on him or whatever. It's going to be a blast. I do have a, a, a kind of a bonus question before we get to high spot, low spot here, because there's been some rumblings on the internet. Um, the identity of the devil... There's this is where we're getting into like the weird conspiracy theory world here. AEW released a Doja Cat music video, and apparently at one point during the Doja Cat music video, um, there's a lyric uh, about the devil. And at that moment, it's Britt Baker doing the devil horns. And there are some people who think this is AEW trying to tip the hat that Britt is going to be the the devil behind the mask. I'm curious with you guys, who do you think makes the most sense to be behind it? There's I mean, there's that, Jungle that Boy, sense. MJF, Cole, Britt. Uh, I mean, Britt, Britt and Adam Cole make sense. If it's Britt, I, th- I think that works. You know, my question is, though, like, I think that's a really good story. Um, but if you just, you know, like, then fucking put everything into the story, man. Like, it's like if this cup, like, make it your thing. This whole, like, like, like Scott was talking about earlier with all these other challengers, like, we don't care about Jay White. We don't care about Samoa Joe. We don't really even care about Wardlow. The two challengers that we care, we cared about Kenny Omega, but now it seems like that's not going to, that doesn't matter. Um, the only, the only, the only person that makes realistic sense to take it off would be Adam Cole with the help of either Britt or, or maybe, you know, like people would speculate Tony Khan. Like that's the, that's the answer that makes sense to me. I think the last thing you want to do is have it be somebody who's coming into the company. Cause you know, as we've seen with Edge, that doesn't really mean anything. So you don't um, think it's Rikishi? No, I don't think it's Rikishi. And I, I don't even know who it would be outside of the... The only thing that would be crazier <laughs> is if 
you know, Ari and TKO push Vince out. And then all of a sudden it's Vince McMahon. That's the only thing that I would be like, that's the most insane. That would be like a holy shit moment. That, um, that would be insane. I mean, it could be less insane, but more doable if it's Shane. Since Shane is not under contract right now. You know, that's not, you know what, dude, even though like originally I would be like, no, I don't want to, don't do that. Cause you're better than that. But like. It's a cool angle now. I think that would be like to get some attention. I think that could be good too. What do you think? D Clan, you get his boy. Oh, Who? Declan. Declan, <laughs> is that his name? Yes. I like how you did that. Like it's like from Lost. Like we're gonna take the boy. Uh, that would well, be fun. Declan. Have you seen photos of Declan? Dude, that dude. dude I, I love this that guy's dude. gonna like, be like. He's gonna be like the next thing. And he's even basically said, "Is like I've got the last name, and I look like my grandfather." <laughs> I could be a big star in this business. So there's oh, yeah. worse things. Yeah, he would be like Logan Paul on steroids. It would be amazing. Which is Logan Paul. Um, I'm joking. Logan Paul is is uh, as clean as the day is long. Scott, who would you have the devil be? I I do not mind the Britt Baker idea just because she is with Adam Cole. And again, there's what? four guys in this group that jumped Jay White. It's the devil and then three people. And so I'm not while I, I it does matter who the devil is, it also really matters who those three other people are. Right. And so I'm excited for Britt Baker and I love that. But if it does end up being like Kingdom and Roderick Strong, I think that's a fail. And so you have four reveals you have to do that I have to I have to go, yep, that works. That's a that's would a tall you, fucking order. I think Britt uh, works. Would you, be, would you be cool with Roddy Strong and Kyle no, O'Reilly and Bobby Fish being the reveals? I and, would be okay with it, but I, I do not think it, it um I go, you know, if it was a movie I went to see in theaters and that's what it was, I would leave disappointed. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's the four guys who got their ass kicked by you know Pat McAfee. The only thing that isn't disappointing, and I don't think it's happening, but I want it to happen, is CM Punk. CM Punk is the devil, and this was all so, so worth it, and we could get back on track, but that's a fantasy. I still maintain my my hope, pick, wish, if I had like the monkey's paw, I want the mask to come off, and I want it to be Tony Khan in that black unitard. Uh, because he would think it's his me Austin. It I mean, was me all I, it along. Would, it would ruin the company. That's the only I, that's thing. That's why I'm, I would enjoy no, every I mean, second I, I of putting it. him in, as 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 much as as much as I'm sure they're tempted to put him in an on screen role. I mean, just from that announcement last night, I, I just I mean, can you imagine him doing the higher power thing? Yes, Scott and it would be Robert? amazing. No, can you like? Okay, well, let me ask somebody who doesn't want the demise of AEW. I don't Scott. want the demise of AEW. Okay, Scott. All right, yeah. Down okay. a segment. Scott, Scott <laughs> would you? W- what do you think make, about making Tony Khan the devil? Oh, I think it would be uh, the worst decision they could ever make. <laughs> which is why there's a 70 percent chance it's going to wind up being tony khan but uh, i will say this man doesn't it, it it kind of feels like who's the killer it feels like scream it's a lot of fun it feels like the M- did you see the mtv scream show no it feels uh, like no that. but i heard it was good i heard it was good yeah you're like this is fun enough and sure the killer will probably end up being a 16 year old girl but whatever so it's gonna be Rio. Watched uh, on Halloween. We watched Totally Killer. It's a really fun slasher movie on Amazon. Everyone is check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do our our high spot, low spot here. Dan, we'll start with you. 
Um, high spot, two things. I I, I want to uh, I I I do want to say you know like it is amazing that you're having five women, especially when one of them's queer, that is you know in the five way in Saudi Arabia. I think that is amazing. Um, I'm nervous, but I think it's amazing. So that is like if it all goes well and good, it's a definite high spot. Um, and the second one I'd have I I, I read now I, this was just like a little Instagram meme thing that somebody posted, but. Maybe by speaking it out, I'm going to speak it to existence, uh, which is somebody has said that the new 2K, you know, 2K24 is going to be um, is going to be Bray Wyatt's career, which I think would be awesome for the family because it pays them a lot of money. And I think he's like he's had a big enough of a career that it's a kind of a cool career, you know, like you, you, you know, you win the title, you, you do the fiend, you know, you, you, you know, then you get to, and then you really can like kind of fantasize about like, Oh, what, what could have been, you know? Um, and sad a little too, cause we're not going to see any of it. Um, as far as uh low spot, I mean, the number of collision for Omega and MJF, I was pretty bummed out by that, man. Like, and I, you know, like I really don't even have a dog, like, you know, like I'm not the permanent co-host of a wrestling podcast, you know, like I don't have a road dog and fight just as a wrestling fan. I wanted to see the numbers be higher for that. Um, I thought the match was good, but like Scott said, it's like, it kind of felt like it was just kind of to do the match and not really, you know, it feels like they're going to now put that on the back burner. So my low spot is just, you know, thinking about what could have been, I hope that, I hope that they're able to, you know, uh, and I, I just really hope everything is, you know, like prayers up, prayers up for everybody in the fucking Middle East, you know, prayers up to everybody. Um, but yeah, like also prayers up to all the guys that are, you know, uh, going over there. So, and, uh, thank you, Scott. Oh, you know, that high spot is going to be the, the in-ring work and in-ring story of, uh, Omega MJF the build. Yeah. Wasn't there. The night it was on would have never done that in a million years. I, you know, and, and, and I realized that even the afterwards, it's the Saturday before Halloween, too. Yep. So you're just foolish in terms of um, literally that, everybody is out that Saturday. Everybody. Well, yeah, especially any type of young person who watches yeah. pro wrestling. And so you're shooting yourself in the foot in terms of wanting to impress people with a ratings boost so you know maybe that'll even be my low spot is because i feel like a lot of attention has been on that and not a low spot for people pointing out people are allowed to point a thing like that out it's a low spot that tony has put himself in that position because that match was unbelievable i don't think it was the best match of the year i don't know if it was a five-star match i think it was 4.9 i think it was damn close um i watched it two and a half times i watched it like two times and then you know you know those highlights on youtube with like a a song you would never listen to in a million years but someone else made the highlight video so you listen to it i've watched a few of those and it's it's an amazing match second view unbelievable but it's just a bit tarnished by no it, it it is here's why i'll say it's almost completely tarnished and this is i'm just speaking you know in extremes right now but also because this wednesday you you don't talk about it that much. Did they show a highlight video of what happened? Cause in I didn't the, see in it. the opening. They showed highlights of the match and they showed highlights of Danielson getting injured. Okay. Okay. Well, or like very briefly, 
but this match was uh was something really really special and that is my high spot is that i thought it was uh i mean out of matches this week it was the best one i don't think it was it wasn't osprey versus mike bailey but it was something really really that was that good Oh yeah, Osprey, and Mike Bailey. I mean, it's better than MJ. It, again, I don't think that's match of the year either. But it's it it was better than MJF Omega, yeah. But yeah. MJF Omega is it's like top fifteen matches of the year, maybe. All right. Yeah. Um, my my high spot. Even, even then, it's like like you know, ten years. I'm sorry, Robert. Huh? But even you know, ten years ago, it would have been the top match of the year. We all agree. But it's now it's like 100. We're getting we're getting all these now. It's like just a well worked match. You know, like Kenny Omega and MJF should be top five match of the year. And the fact that it's top 15 is a little bit of a, a failure for them. Well, it's because they give you too many great matches all the time that they blend together. Right. Um, yeah. I'll start with my lowest. My lowest spots, I had two. One of them was was the collision rating, I think, for all the reasons Scott said. We watched the show. I think the execution of collision was sloppy. The layout of the rest of the matches on that show, you're trying to lure people in. They didn't give anybody anything else really to get excited about. It was a lot of squash matches and just nobody matches. Um, and yeah, you wasted one of your big dream matches on a show no one watched. The other low spot, AW was in Louisville this week. Cornette was invited by Jeff Jarrett. Cornette took shots at them on Twitter, basically saying, like, I would have gone, but I couldn't find someone to do the two-for-one ticket deal with me. Um, and then Mike sent out... Why invite him? Like, I love Jeff, but it's like... What and do he you called out, he goes, find another ratings ploy, because they just wanted to get him there. Right, and then right. they showed the... the Someone sent a picture, uh, I think Mike sent it to the group, but someone posted it somewhere, of how empty the arena was. And this is in Louisville, where they did that wrestler's Netflix documentary. OVW has been selling out everywhere they've been going of late. So wrestling is white hot in Louisville. And this show that was already advertised to have the Kenny Omega-Chris Jericho match and the MJF match against the Bullet Club drew less than 5,000 people. And I think that's really sad, especially because that is the heart of where wrestling is white hot right now. Uh, given everything that happened for that Netflix stock. My two high spots, one, Michael Cole this week on Raw was in such a bad mood. And when Michael Cole is in a bad mood, it is perversely entertaining. He screwed up and called Candice LeRae, Candice Michelle, and then got annoyed with himself and then shit all over this Chelsea Green Natalia trick or street fight match where it was like old school when he used to host NXT and was just burying everything. Uh, the other high spot, if you haven't seen it, they did a Drew McIntyre video package to highlight his his story going into Crown Jewel. It's him at the Performance Center, and it shows their commitment to long-term storytelling of talking about being in the Performance Center during the pandemic after winning the Rumble. His whole journey from being the chosen one, getting fired, coming back, winning the Rumble, then winning the title in an empty building. Nobody even wanting to acknowledge his title existence. Then he finally gets a rematch at Clash of the Castle. Bloodline cost him it, and now he's supposed to be nice to Jay, uh, uh, Jay Uso. And it's just a really well-done production video. Uh, well worth your time. Uh, but enough plugging WWE. We got our own stuff to plug. Dan, remind the folks again where they can see you over the next couple of weeks. Oh, oh, my goodness. I thought you'd never ask, Mr. Karpolis. Um, yeah, this Saturday night, I'm going to be at the Stanford New York Comedy Club. And then uh, next week, because um, this comes out on Friday, I want to be opening for Dan Soder at Helium in Portland, at the Portland Helium. 
uh and uh we have three shows there and then the set uh, on the 15th and the 16th of november and then the 17th and 18th i'll be opening for soda at uh Cobb's comedy club i also have another podcast where we review horror movies and we got a lot of fun we have a patreon there a lot of fun stuff we did for halloween uh this week uh mandy smith who's been on the show here is on our pod and uh, we're talking leprechauns in space so uh oh and hey this is fucking huge. Well, I'm gonna wait. Actually, never mind. I gotta wait. Sorry, <laughs> but but my special will be coming out in 2024. I will say that. I'm not gonna tell you the date, but it's coming out in 2024. Awesome, uh, Scott. Early 2024. Early 2024. Well, you better storm into stores to get it. Is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i got another podcast out for smokes with mike Racine and sean mccarthy so check that out and subscribe to our patreon i um yeah I'll, you'll probably get our first reactions about uh saudi on, on the patreon this weekend uh you can follow me on twitter at ww creative underscore ish uh that's gonna do it for us this week guys so on behalf of dan mike scott zach logan and all of us here at russell rose best of luck in your future endeavors and scott what do you want to tell the fine folks Wash your hands. Wash your hands.